watch series, watch TV shows, expose yourself to the language, to the culture. And I think all of this is related. Like idioms come from the content that you find on YouTube from native speakers, the content that you find on Instagram, the content that you find on Netflix. All of this is a way, they're tools. If you look at it, it's tools to learn idioms, to learn words and to understand the flow of the language. Very good, 100%. Do you have any examples? Uh, I don't know, are there, do you have any idioms that are common in Seattle, for example, and are not common in, I don't know, Chicago. Do you have any 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 idioms you can you can pass on to us? Right. So I'm gonna give you one here that is related to the the Seattle culture. So here in Seattle, in Washington State, we have so many mountains and people love hiking, right? Hiking, trekking up the mountains. So one idiom that we have when we want to tell someone to leave us alone or to go away, we can say, go take a hike, go take a hike. Here we are with teacher Emma. You can follow her on Instagram. Uh, we are also on TikTok. We are also on Instagram at the same time, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. And then we'll be uh, on a different time on Emma's YouTube channel. Right, Emma? That's right. In the future, I will be posting this. All right, Emma. So let's get this started. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. So, Emma, can you tell us about the moment you knew you wanted to become an English teacher? Why Why becoming an English teacher? If you were yeah, born that's a good question. in the States, you grew up in the States, you, has, you have no need of teaching English. Why, why an English teacher? Right. So, first of all, I always wanted to be a teacher since I was a young girl. I love teaching. I have four younger siblings, so I just always taught them whatever I learned in school. So I always had this drive to be a teacher. But when I went to university and started studying languages, I studied Spanish and Portuguese, I realized that I love language and that, yeah, I have this love for language. I grew up around Spanish speakers. So you might think, hey, you live in the U.S., the official language is English. Why do you need to teach English? But most people know that there's a very large Latino population here, people who don't speak English at all and have lived here for one year, five years, 10 years, right? So there is a need for English teachers here and especially English teachers who understand Spanish and can speak Spanish and communicate and empathize with people coming get, from... We would get into that. How, how, yeah. is it, how important is it for the teacher to know Spanish? Exactly. If, if you're if you're if right. you're addressing uh, Spanish speakers, that's very important. All right, Emma. So so yes, I I totally agree. There there would be a need for for teachers to live in America, obviously. But I just never thought of a, of a, 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 you know like you were born in America, you grew up in America, and then why why to become an English teacher apart from it? you could have right. been I don't know being a PE teacher, whatever you wanted. Right. But now I understand yeah. that you love languages. Right. I really wanted to start out as a Spanish teacher and I teach Spanish as well, but I moved. So really the first opportunity, the first gig that I got teaching English was in Spain when I moved there three years ago. All so right. I started teaching English there and I realized I like it. And yeah, then from there, I've just been teaching English now online with private students through my podcast as well, creating content, right? It's another way of teaching. Yes. So yeah, that, that's, a, that's a way of, of sharing, you know, free content and, and adding a bit exactly. of a bit of a, a plus, a plus that all communities need. All right, Emma, can you describe the journey that led you to establish uh, at EM 
language? How, yeah. how did, is it is it like a, is it established academy? What what is it? EM language. Yes, M language is M languages is actually my online language academy. It is established completely online. So there we give group classes, we give private classes, and also language learning materials to support students. So thank you for sharing that. So my my Instagram page is where I share free content right and then with my online language academy it's where students can have that personalized help and that personalized support from a teacher all right all right so you have uh, so you work with different teachers i suppose you have a group of teachers and yeah for now i'm the main teacher and i do have a girl helping me as well aliyah aliyah if you're out there i appreciate you she helps me with classes as well Oh, very good, very good, very good. A, a, a bit similar to my academy. I also have a teacher, teacher Lucho, and he helps me a lot. Yeah, he's he's also American, American accent. Unlike me, that I, I lost my American accent. I lived in the states as well. I lived in Illinois. That's where yeah. I grew up, and I went to. I did my junior high school there, and yeah. So I had I had a bit of their accent, you know. But then I came to Ireland, and I think I, I suppose it's gone. I can hear that. No, I can hear that little Irish touch to it. All right, all right. It's a beautiful yeah. accent. Oh, thanks, thanks, thanks. Yeah, it's it's a bit it's a bit different though, but but look, yeah. I love it. Like I I've lived in in the UK as well, and and out of out of the three accents, I think I'm I, I feel I feel really comfortable with the with the Irish one. I mean, mm -hmm. In terms of listening, you know, like obviously I'm not saying that I, I I've picked it up yet. I don't know if I've picked it up. You never notice it. You but, have. You definitely yeah. have. <laughs> I can hear the touch to it. Yeah. It's neutral, right? It's very understandable, but there's a little bit of that Irish intonation. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Good to know that. All right, Emma. How did your own experiences uh, learning languages shape your teaching style and methods? I mean, like I suppose that that, that that's why I I'm one of them that agrees that if you're going to teach English or, or any language, you must be bilingualist because mm -hmm. because that helps understanding you know the process that everybody has to overcome in in right. order to to learn a language. So how did you know you you, you speak three languages, right? Yes, I do. Yeah. yeah, so how does how does that impact your your teaching methods? Right. So I think that a big part of this is for me having contact with the language in all aspects. So I will never show up to a class and just read a grammar from a notebook or from a textbook. I think that we need to have conversation. We need to learn real life, real life phrases, real life idioms. And that can only be learned through, of course, through preparation of materials, but also through conversation. So always I try to have a really big focus on conversation practice. And for students who can't carry a conversation quite yet, I always recommend them to listen to podcasts like this podcast, your podcast, my podcast, just to start learning. Truly, I learned languages through input. I watched series. I watched movies. I learned, I grew up watching novelas, right, with my family. So that's why I learned Spanish so quickly because Spanish was in my brain. But in order to get it out, I really needed that support from a classroom environment. But I always tell my students, you need to have contact with English and reading, writing, listening, speaking, conversation, all of it. You can't just read from a notebook or a grammar book and think you'll learn English. And I think that's where a lot of teachers fail in teaching 
probably monolingual teachers yes. because they think that you can just read a book and learn a language and that's not it. It's a complete picture. It's an everyday exactly. input anyway. Like I, I, t I tell to my students, like, look, you're not going to learn English. My courses nowadays, they are, the frequencies is twice a week. So mm -hmm. we have uh, four hours, you know, taught taught lessons and then we also have material for them to do at home but if you're only practicing english that the four hours a week that's not gonna work like it's not gonna right. it's not gonna happen we have a question here for you jacqueline liranzo she is from dominican republic thanks uh -huh. for tuning in jacqueline as always are you from seattle the english is is english your first language so yes i am from Seattle, Washington, born and raised in Seattle. And yes, English is my first language. However, I grew up in a predominantly Latino community. My neighborhood, my neighbors, my family is half Mexican. So I also had a lot of contact with Spanish. Just to, before we go on to the next topic, um, Emma, so what are your thoughts about the uh, comprehensible input from Stephen Krashen? I suppose you, you are familiar with his theory. Um, uh, what are your thoughts about it? That's, you, just, right. you just touched on it, uh, I suppose, in your last intervention. So what are your thoughts right. on it? Right. I can say that I think comprehensible input is completely necessary. That's, as I said, that's how I learned Spanish and Portuguese by listening to YouTube channels, podcasts, right? Music is a big one too. Just having contact daily. But I think that's not the only way to learn a language. You need to have the output. You really do need practice. And that's where classes with someone like you or me would offer that classroom environment for conversation practice. But comprehensible input is a really big piece of the puzzle of learning a language. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. What do you answer? I don't know, maybe you can give me ideas there because they every time I explain what how comprehensible input is, they, they always come up to me and they say, what if I don't understand anything? How, what what would be my motivation if I I'm trying to listen to a podcast but I understand zero not yeah so how can we explain to them that it doesn't matter I always try to relate the situation to when we were babies you know like we didn't understand anything but there we were trying to repeat and trying to copy exactly the, everybody's right. behavior so what's what's what are your thoughts on that if you don't get mm -hmm. anything why would yeah. you keep on listening to it so my point here is that with time you will understand more and more and don't worry about understanding every single word understand the context you don't need to understand every single word and also of course every little contact with english will help but if you notice that a podcast is too difficult for you find something easier and something at your level so that you don't feel frustrated because it's a frustrating listening to a 30-minute podcast and I don't understand anything. Anyone can get frustrated. So listen to something easier or try 10 minutes, right? Try something more practical. Very good, very good. That's a good advice there. All right, English idioms. That's the rock on the shoe, right? Um, English idioms can often be confusing for learners, but also for teachers, you know, especially if you're mm -hmm. not native or if, you, or if you don't live in an English-speaking country. How do you deal with English idioms both yeah. when you like when i came to ireland they have lots of idioms here that are not common in america for example when i when i first yeah. learned english same if you go to the uk so that's that's what i when when they say i want to be native i'm like you can't be native if you're not native you're just not native because yeah. for example you can get you can pick up a really good pronunciation but idioms you have to live there in order to pick them up Absolutely. so how do you deal with them 
The point here is exactly what you're saying. I think in order to really have a lot of idioms and use a lot of idioms, likely you need to spend some time in an English-speaking country. That's a must. But I think on the other hand, this goes back to comprehensible input. Watch series, watch TV shows, expose yourself to the language, to the culture. And I think all of this is related. Like idioms come from the content that you find on YouTube from native speakers, the content that you find on Instagram, the content that you find on Netflix. All of this is a way, they're tools. If you look at it, it's tools to learn idioms, to learn words, and to understand the flow of the language. Very good. A hundred percent. Do you have any examples? Uh, I don't know. Are there? Do you have any idioms that are common in Seattle, for example, and are not common in I don't know Chicago? Do you have any <laughs> any 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 idioms you can you can pass on to us? Right. So I'm going to give you one here that is related to the the Seattle culture. So here in Seattle, in Washington State. We have so many mountains and people love hiking, right? Hiking, trekking up the mountains. So one idiom that we have when we want to tell someone to leave us alone or to go away, we can say, go take a hike, go take a hike. Like go away, just go. I don't want to talk to you. Go take a hike. <laughs> right, that's that's very similar. We have one in Colombia, and it's exactly the same context. But in Colombia, it's vaya mires y la gallina puso huevos. You know, like go, go <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah, vaya mira. And it's very common with 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 you know with kids because they they just they would go, they would actually go and check yeah. <laughs> if if the if the chicken you know definitely yeah. all right yeah here it's very sarcastic. It's a sarcastic idiom. We might be go take a hike, right? But in a sarcastic tone. Oh, I have to acknowledge that is my first time listening to that <laughs> that idiom. All right, very there good. Go. What would be your advice then for for people to learn idioms besides using, you know, series, TV shows, whatever? Is, is it good? I, I don't. I'm not really into memorizing them, so that that's not my advice. But what are your thoughts? How can you, you know? quickly learning like if you go on youtube you'll find videos with 200 idioms i i found last time i found a video with 200 idioms and it's like a 45 minute video and then yeah. it has yeah. lots of if it has lots of views plays thousands of views thousands of likes but th does that really help right but being a teacher you know that this is not the way to truthfully memorize and learn idioms i would not recommend memorization my goal here would be to Take note of a few idioms that you think are useful for your life, right? That are useful for you. So take note of those. And when you are talking to someone, right? If you have a conversation partner with your English teacher, have your notebook there and try intentionally to use those idioms in your conversation. I think the best way is actually putting what you learn into practice. So my first tip, take note of idioms that are truthfully useful to you and then try to use them in conversation. Very good. Good, very good that's that's a hundred percent like i i always do it with out of the blue because that one is very common when something yeah. happens spontaneously you you say oh it happened out of the blue you know it came out of the blue like out of nowhere so i always tell them like that's a very common one you can take mm -hmm. you can just even if you don't know if you're not speaking english like you can be speaking spanish and oh que paso aquí? that came out of the blue you know like you can yeah, mix languages true. they say yeah. they say they say that's spanglish i mean like at the start I think it's good to mix them because you're using them and you're doing Absolutely. there is there is a process going on in your yeah. brain like if you do it you know what it, what would yeah. not be good is to stay doing it you know like to keep right. on doing it all the time 
All right, Great. Emma, very good. Do you have any other favorite um, idioms that that you want to share with us? Like, uh, like especially the common ones. Like we went to the one through the one uh, about Seattle. That would be very common mm -hmm. in Seattle, but it's it's kind of beside the point here in Ireland, for example. Sure, right? But, maybe in Ireland. In the rest of the U.S., you can say it. Yeah, we have many, right? I mean, one that comes to my head too would be for relax, telling someone to calm down, relax. Okay. We might say chill out or take a take a chill pill right calm down this word chill okay all right very good very good in That's ireland in ireland we have the what's the crack and basically they use it for everything you know like oh what's the crack no crack like what's crack is like what's happening like what's popping <laughs> okay. yeah so no, yeah, yeah. we might say what's up yeah that's that's Here, yeah, that? That, that would yeah. be the equivalent 100 percent. but then American but then in ireland we use it for everything like is is there any crack you know is there any crack like is there something to do like but yeah it's it's very common in here and you you you'll be using it like every day every day yeah interesting very interesting yes yes, yes. And uh, in your view, like this, this would be in your view, how does pronunciation influence the overall language learning journey? You know, like, is it, is it really that important? Is it, uh, I mean, like, would people have, have to avoid the output just because they don't have the right pronunciation? No. Okay. Of course not. Of course not. And also you learn and improve your pronunciation with output and with practice. But I think the most important thing in any language is making sure that people understand you and that you understand people. Think about how many diverse accents there are in the English speaking world. We don't pronounce things all the same. Yeah. So why would a non-native speaker have to pronounce perfectly? As long as they're understandable, I think that's what's most important. Going back to it, I do think it's important to practice and learn pronunciation because again, a lot of native speakers who don't know Spanish are aware of these sounds and won't be able to understand when someone has a pronunciation that's not correct. They're a pain in the butt talking about idioms. They are. Yeah. They are. Yeah, the, the minimal pairs, especially, you know, the, the long I, the long E. That right. I do I do really give an emphasis on them because I mean like you can end up saying a totally different thing, you know. Like it's not the same if you say pitch, which is uh, you know, uh, like here a pitch is a soccer field that's a difference between american english and irish or english english because right. over here you won't say the soccer field or the rugby field or whatever you just say i'm going to the pitch to play some football okay you don't say soccer either you say football and then and then peach which is the fruit peach yeah yeah you know so you have to make the long and then you yeah, exactly. I'd, I'd say, right, right. I'd and these are that I think if someone's goal is to really improve their pronunciation, it would be good to find a tutor, find a teacher to really help you with that if that's your ultimate goal. But I think for any language learner, the goal is to be understood. Yes, I had to communicate. Communication is the key. Exactly. Communication. I always I always say to them, if you're if you ask a question and the answer you're getting is whatever you're expecting, then you made it. You just have to improve and try to make it better every day and always exactly. be be an active listener. Because mm -hmm. I mean always listen like a learner. Don't keep in mind that you're learning. So mm -hmm. if you if you're an active listener, you'll be able to do the contrast. You know, oh if if I were saying that words, I would have said different, you know, that would be that, that that's just my advice emma what tip. advice can you give learners uh who find it hard to understand native english speakers my my tip here is be patient with yourself and don't be afraid to ask someone to repeat themselves or to slow down just perfect hey i'm i'm learning english 
Can you just say that a little bit slower or speak more slowly? That's all it is. It's having that confidence and that trust to say, hey, I'm a language learner. I'm accepting the process. Let's slow down. Apart from studying and exposing yourself to the language, having contact with the language, comprehensible input, be able to say, hey, can you please speak more slowly? I'm a learner. Perfect. 100%. I totally agree. Another question, Emma, I think my, my, my own experience, you know, I think that your goals with the language are very important if you relate them to your study plan. Okay, so because, for example, I got I got a student last week and she's she's an engineer. So she's living in the States for the past two months and she wants to get a qualified job. Mm -hmm. So obviously her goals are totally different from a person that just wants to go and visit the States and stay there for three months, three weeks, whatever, as a tourist and go back to their country or from a person that just wants to get any job, but not a qualified job in which she would have to write in English, papers in English, uh, reports, whatever. So what is your advice for people to, you know, to plan their study plan? If you had a student from scratch, another idiom, if you had a student from scratch, what would be your advice? I would say, see what's realistic for you, right? I mean, how often should you be studying? When do you need to have this certain level of English, right? And what's realistic? If you have enough time to study every single day to get a certain job, because obviously you need a certain level to be a qualified worker in English. So what's realistic for you? Especially you said starting from scratch, that's going to be a long process and focus on the language that is going to be useful for you in that job or in that opportunity that you're looking for right know the language know the lingo know the words and phrases that you need in that job to get through the interview and to get of course this opportunity but also make sure that you're exposing yourself on the other hand to just the normal communication daily communication with native speakers and if you don't try to do it all on your own there's so many people out there that will help you teachers that will help you figure this out and achieve your goals quicker find someone to help you and to guide you through this process because it's an investment that's worth very good there you go what can we do with this with these uh teachers that uh promise that you would be a native speaker in three months that's no, that i really lying. struggle I, re I, I really struggle when they ask me about this because you know like they're really they, they assure it. they say that if, if it's not if it's not achievable then they'll give the money back which i don't know mm -hmm. if they do but what is your advice there for for because we do get these messages every day when when i tell them that the process will take them at least like average at least a year to be to to be from a1 to be two exactly yeah, to be fluent i say fluent is b1 already i mean if you if mm -hmm. you make it to b1 then you can drive on right but but what is your advice i mean like being yeah. native in three months i i mean i've been speaking no. english for the last 22 years and i'm still not native <laughs> you know it's being, 20, living, yeah. I'm, living I'm 32. being country yeah i'm 32 and i was born i was born in colombia as i said but i moved to the states and when i was 10 and since I speak English and and I'm still not native and I'm not hoping to be native like I love my Spanish and yeah, yeah. And, and I mean like it's I don't know what is your advice it's tough because there are teachers who truthfully and honestly do promise you'll be fluent in three months after this course understand that fluency is a lifelong 
thing, a lifelong goal to achieve in language learning. It's not something that's going to happen even in a year, right? I would say fluency is B1 too, where you can communicate, but that's something that is achieved after months. For me, I would say it's going to take about two to three months to improve e at each level, right? A1 to for example, A0 to A1, A1 to A2. Just jumping those levels is going to be about two to three months or more. So understand that this is a process for if you want fluency and you want to be native, a lifetime. It's not something, think, and it goes back to what you were saying. Think about how children acquire language. Children, two, three, four years old can speak, but not fluently. And they're exposed to that language for years and years until they can really learn how to speak fluently. And it's the same thing with language learners. A hundred percent. I told it. I also think it's a life thing. It's a life. Yeah. It's, it has to be a life plan. It has right. to be a life Absolutely. plan. Absolutely. Let's move on to listening skills. So how can one improve their listening skills to better understand different English accents? This is, for me, this is the easiest one to improve because there's so much material out there. Go listen to Evnan's podcast. Listen to my podcast. Listen to a YouTube, YouTube videos, one a day for 10 or 15 minutes. Watch a series. And as you said, in different accents, if your goal is to learn different accents, watch a show from Ireland, watch a video from an American person, expose yourself to these different accents. But to me, listening is the easiest one. And back to what you said earlier, active listening, practicing active listening, making sure that you're repeating and re keeping in mind that you're a learner and that you're going to need to have a notebook with you taking notes, right? It's an active process. It's not just like sitting and watching a show in our native language where we kind of go off into another world, right? Here we need to be focused. Okay, I'm right. going to take notes. I'm going to repeat and really learn from this. Very good, 100%. So Leo Andres is asking, Good afternoon, excuse me. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry for the question. Do you teach English online? Yes, we do. Yes, yep. yes. So I am at El Profesor Hernan and then Emma, it's M Language. At M Language. That's right. So yes. you can get in touch with either of us. Yeah. And of course, we'll help you to achieve your goals. All right, Emma. Very good. Yeah. How about the news? Do you do you I, I my my recommendation sometimes is to if, if they if they're on politics for example if they're right. you know and whatever because the news you would find some of the you know high frequency words so right. i always tell them you can download the app for whatever whatever radio station it is you know like over here we have the news talk so that's if you want to learn if you want to pick up some of the irish uh accents you can listen to the to the news talk and you will see how yeah you know they it's, it's a really it's like the biggest uh radio station here and they'll be interviewing people every day politicians mm -hmm. so what is what what are your thoughts about the 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 news in order to learn to improve your listening skills yeah i think it's another tool it's another tool if you're interested in politics and if you want to learn this language it's a useful tool why not okay we have jacqueline again recommendation or an advice for to improve on to improve my english level b1 teacher i suppose she was saying teacher hernan and teacher emma yeah i think so in order to improve a level b1 jacqueline i'd say just maximize your input i'd say yeah. two hours at least every day two hours at least and try and try to find an english bar you know yeah. like you are on my whatsapp group jacqueline so there you would definitely uh, improve because you have lots of people to practice with Absolutely. so i'd say my only recommendation is don't focus on grammar try to leave grammar on the side it's important but grammar you'll pick it up 
right? You would pick up the, the grammar if you improve the, the input. I don't know what are Emma's thoughts on this one. Thoughts? Yeah, no, I second everything that you say. I agree with you on everything. I think having more input, more contact with listening, finding someone to practice with is fundamental as much as you can. Whatever's realistic to you. One day, two days, three days a week, right? That's perfect. And yeah, I would say those two things. Perfect. And we have the last one here. I understand everything, but I can't speak. Well, that's very common. I say, yeah. if you can understand everything, you have enough language in your brain in order to speak. So if you yeah. can't speak, that's your mind. I really focus on your emotional intelligence in Definitely. this one because because it's just you just have to overcome the fear. If you right. if you don't overcome fears, then it's 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 a bit hard. You know, it's a challenge. I know it's a challenge, but what are your thoughts there, Emma? So part of this is fear, it's the emotions, it's the mental block, the insecurities, right? That we have speaking a second language. But part of this makes me wonder, how are you studying English? Are you only listening, you know, doing input, comprehensible input and not practicing in a classroom setting or practicing with a language partner? So I, in that case, I would say keep consuming content in English, but find more opportunities to practice your speaking. All right, Emma, I have another one here. Speaking of a learning routine, can you share some methods that have worked best for your students? I want to, I, I would start with some ideas. I, ideas. I always tell them, you know, like my advice is to dedicate at least two hours every day. But when you think about two hours every day, that's a bit tough. So what I say is, why don't you design a routine in which you'll be, you'll be, I don't know, studying or whatever, exposed to the language, half an hour in the morning, half an hour in the afternoon, and half an hour in the evening. And then throughout the day, you are speaking or texting or whatever with a partner. That way you'll be, you'll be like attaining the two hours. Because yes. obviously if you're thinking about sitting down and studying English for two hours every day, that's going to be a bit tough, especially if you have a busy day. So what are some routines that have worked for you? Yes. So for me, something that I do with my students is we have actually a platform where I design our materials in chunks to do every day. So day one, you're going to focus on studying vocabulary. And then day two, you're going to read an article. Day three, listen to these videos and answer these questions. So I would say have a goal every day of how you want to expose yourself to the language. For example, like what you said, in the morning, listen to a podcast, 30 minutes. There's 30 minutes of exposure. In the afternoon, I'm going to sit down and study vocabulary in English and take notes and answer questions and write example sentences. And then at night, watch a video or watch an episode in English. Then the next day, my goal can be today I'm going to practice my writing skills in English. So do the same thing. Listen to a podcast episode in the morning, then maybe journal in English, write, do a writing activity in English and at night, watch an episode of your favorite series in English, right? The next day, read an article in English and do the same thing. Be intentional about how you're going to practice English every day. A hundred percent. Yes, a hundred percent. I always tell them, look, if you do it, if you do 30, 30 minutes of listening every day, then that would come up to 900 minutes a month. And then when you divide that by 60, that would be 15 hours nonstop. All right. 15 hours. That's a lot. But you have to do it every day, 30 minutes. And as Emma said before, it's not about sitting down and doing and taking, I don't know, listening mocks. No, it's not about that. It's just watching a series, watching a movie, listening 
listening to music something but do it in english you, uh, you would definitely achieve that that fluency in three months right. yeah i would say all of the content that you consume in your native language if you like watching movies and you want to watch it in your native language think no i'm taking this opportunity to practice english let's watch an english movie let's watch an english series try to do everything in english if that's your true goal to become fluent in english okay very good i don't see any more questions that one was from tiktok i don't see anything on instagram okay emma we have some uh sec a section here that we call it controversial questions so number oh, no. one do you believe that english is becoming too dominant globally potentially um, going over other languages, you know, taking over other languages. <laughs> I do, yeah. I, I had a different word, so. like endangering, endangering other languages, putting other languages in danger. But uh, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on that one? To me, this is a clear yes, because English is becoming a universal language. And what happens when a language becomes a universal language is that everyone wants to study and probably needs to study, right? If you want a really good job, you probably need a little bit of English skills nowadays. So people are pretty much forced to learn this universal language. And along with that piece, which is great, because then now there's a language where everyone can understand each other, other languages as you said, become endangered or less in use. I mean, what happens in Ireland? They Irish people have their own language, right? Yes. It's really hard. Like, really, really hard. Yeah. 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 All right. Very good. Very good. Um, some people argue that English language teaching is only for Europeans or Americans. And by Europeans, I mean, uh, I mean, um, English. British people. English British people, people from yeah, UK. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? You, do you think that people in, in Latin America, for example, shouldn't be teaching English? I do not agree with that. I do not agree. And I will say I don't agree because there are people who have C2 level, great fluency, and who have actually studied English from the bottom up, from the roots, right? The grammar, all of those little parts that a language contains. And maybe they can explain better than a native speaker. I think that people who study a language from the bottom up and can achieve fluency maybe can even explain a language better because they had to learn it firsthand. That's my take. Okay, very good. This is not the last one, but it's the second last one. Do you think that technology could eventually replace teachers in language learning? Uh, talking about um, ChatGPT, for example, I don't know if you've met Luz on, on your WhatsApp. Have you met her? No. All right. Oh, uh, AI probably, yeah? An yes. AI chat? Yes, the loose one, loose. Yeah, so what are your thoughts on this one? You Do you think that we're going to be replaced? This is tough. I think that people will lose their jobs. Probably people who are not very dedicated or very good teachers who don't do this from their heart and from passion, maybe they won't have an opportunity. I think a lot of students want to learn a language but connect with the teacher who's teaching them. And that teacher is a support system. And that teacher is an emotional support a lot of times, right? We've even talked about those insecurities, those emotions and those fears that come up. I don't think an AI bot can replace that empathy that compassion nice, that a teacher nice. has with their students. All right, and the last one, um, when you look for English teaching jobs, you would see that, that under requirements, they ask for an English speaking country passport. 
you know so they they so if you look if you go on <laughs> tefl.com for example and you look at the requirements it says that one of the requirements is for the teacher to be native so what are your thoughts on this one does the teacher has to be native that's the first one no. No, That's again, I go one. back and to the second one. And okay, and there is a third one that is even worse because they say that oh, no. the teacher has to be that the teacher must have an English speaking passport, but it has it, it had to be born there. So, for example, if I like in two years' time, I could go for my for the my Irish citizenship if I want it. But once I get my Irish passport, I won't qualify because I wasn't born here. So, what are your thoughts on that one? You know, it happens yeah. a lot if you look for English off job offers. Right. I think that it's unnecessary and it's just bureaucracy, dumb bureaucracy. Because I the thought that comes to my head is Super Holly. You know who Super Holly is? Definitely. She was born in Mexico. She has an American passport, but she was born in Mexico. She's clearly a native speaker because her parents are American. So would she not qualify because she wasn't born in the U.S. and she grew up in Mexico? Yeah, for countries like Japan <laughs> and, and South Korea, it, it won't. It, it, she won't. Okay. Yeah, I don't see the point of that rule. All right, very good, very good. So the, the, they were the, these were the the controversial questions we have for you today, Emma. So we have come to the end of this uh, show. Thanks everybody for tuning in with us today. I just want Thank Emma's you. last words for both audiences. You know, we are live at the moment in Instagram, <laughs> TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Yes. So what are your last, your last words? First of all, I would just thank everyone. Thank you for the support. Thank you for being here. And my reminder would be that practice makes better, never perfect. Don't focus on perfection. Don't Focus on trying to be a native speaker. Focus on trying to speak better and know that there are many people out here like me, like Professor Henan, who will support you in the process. And if you can, invest in your language skills, invest time, find a course, find a teacher, because that will help you achieve your goals quicker and you'll always have that support system with you. And I think that the support system of a teacher and language partners is necessary in this process perfect very good lads now we're done so thanks very much for tuning in